everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the From Ballparks to Buzzy Breeders Sportscast. I'm your host, Perry Mortinos, alongside James Farley, and we have a great episode for you guys today all about the Boston Celtics and their 2-1 lead in the NBA Finals over the Golden State Warriors. James, take it away. What a win last night, Perry. That was an exciting game to watch. Celtics back in TD Garden in the NBA Finals. That is a sight that us as Celtics fans love to see. Um, that, that was just a really well-rounded win from the Boston Celtics last night. Obviously, going up 18 early. Uh, Golden State in the third quarter. They've been having some incredible third quarters this entire series. Um, it's even been saying like that's the 31st NBA team. You know, the third quarter Golden State Warriors. But um, yeah, Golden State got it, took a two-point lead, and then Celtics ended up going right back up 18, winning this one by a final score of 116 to 100. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown led the way respectively for these for the Boston Celtics last night. Uh, Tatum had 26 points, 9 assists, and 6 rebounds. Jalen had 27 and 9 rebounds, and Marcus Smart had 24. So, I mean, first of all, Perry, I mean, the production from these top three guys for the Boston Celtics are has been really, really solid throughout the playoffs. I feel like Marcus Smart on the offensive end has stepped up in ways that we have we, we couldn't have even dreamed of having as like Celtics fans. I mean, Smart never really played point guard. This year, he steps up in that point guard role. He dishes the ball well. He's scoring the ball well. He just put up 24 points in 39 minutes uh, in a game three of the NBA Finals in front of a home TD Garden. So, I mean, Perry, if you're getting a solid 77 points out of these guys, and then, I mean, you're really in a pretty solid situation to win the game. So how important are these three players to the Boston Celtics and their um progression throughout the rest of the NBA Finals looking to bring home the championship trophy because throughout the year you really thought the Celtics is having a dynamic duo with Tatum and Jalen but I mean Smart's really making a case for making this the uh like the big three that you need and we've talked about it so many times you know the Heat having LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Bosh, the, Cel- uh, the uh, Warriors um in the past having Steph, Clay and Durant, the Spurs having Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili so do you think that this is like your case of that big three, or do you would you not include Marcus in this conversation? Yeah, James. So obviously, I mean, these three are are the most important players on the Celtics. But I was actually stunned when I found out that Marcus Smart twenty four points last night because I actually think he didn't play a good game, and maybe um, it was because he did have five turnovers. So and five turnovers overs and five assists. I, I don't know. I, I he made a couple big shots late, but I just felt like. Upon farther inspection, it looks like he had a pretty good game, but for some reason watching it, I just didn't think he had the best game. But I think when you talk about Marcus Smart, I think Boston and New England people tend to value Marcus Smart more of the level of a Drew Holiday. I think Drew Holiday is a fair comparison to Marcus Smart. I would take Drew Holiday over Marcus Smart. I think he can do a little more on the offensive end. But I think Marcus Smart, when you look at like where he'd rank somewhere in the league, um, he's like I would say fringe top ten point guard, probably, probably somewhere around top four, fifty player in the league. I think sounds about fair if we're counting Tatum as a top ten, Jalen Brown as a top twenty five. I think Marcus Smart as a top fifty player sounds about right. Um, it might be a little high, a little low, but that give or take, that sounds pretty solid. But I think if Marcus Smart can continue knowing his role, if he can continue passing the ball and giving up looks 
to guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tam. He took 17 shots last night. That's one more than Jalen Brown took. And Jalen Brown took most of his shots in the first quarter where he really set the tone for how this game would go from the Celtics from an offensive standpoint. Marcus Smart is a good player, and he is perfect for this system because he is the captain of this defense. He's the guy that kind of coaches up the perimeter, and then Rob Williams kind of erases everything on the back end in the paint. So he's exactly what the Celtics need right now, and if he can continue to resist the temptation to start chucking up threes with double digits left on the shot clock, what she's done for the most part this postseason, he is a very good fringe piece for this Celtics team. He's not a member of the big three. It's still a top two here with Tam and Brown, but he is a very piece, very important piece and very instrumental to the Celtics' success. Yeah, Perry, Marcus Smart has definitely been huge. I mean, his presence on the, on the defensive end is what makes him such a vital piece of this Celtics organization. Um, he's a sensational leader. You know, there were times when he was hurt and injured, couldn't play. And I believe it was two games against Miami Heat, but he was still on the bench and he was encouraging his teammates, trying to get them going. Um, so he's just a huge piece to the Celtics team. Um, something that you were talking about, Perry, was the urge not to shoot up, like start shooting all these threes. And I actually want to transition that like topic onto another player, and that's Jason Tatum. In the past, Jason Tatum, he's still a young player, fifth year in the NBA. In the past, Tatum would be would have been more prone to hit having his like little sidestep three or trying to have like a fadeaway elbow jumper um looking to get a like a foul call in that sense now Tatum is bulked up and he's looking to drive and get to the rim every single play if he doesn't he's kicking out and that's part of how he contributed nine assists last night so Jason Tatum has really developed his game and maturing and not settling for those threes he's really trying to get to the rim create offense that way and I think that honestly now heading into next year he should be in like an MVP candidate just how he's developed and matured um in that way and a huge piece of that is Ime Adoka Perry how how much of a factor has Ime Adoka had on the Celtics team because if you had asked me um at the start of the year or especially a couple months ago when we were sitting 10th place in the Eastern Conference at you know sub 500 I would never have thought the Celtics would be in the NBA finals let alone up 2-1 still at home at the TD Garden so we're in a really good spot. And how much of a role does Ime Udoka have on the Celts being up 2-1? Because he's not the one playing in the game. The players are the ones that are like essentially winning the game. But Ime Udoka is coaching them on the sideline, helping them out do the right to do the right thing. So what is his role for the Celtics team being up 2-1? I think he's kind of motivated them when they've given up big runs, especially in this third quarter, especially when they did against the Heat. He kind of gives them he kind of gives them a little energy to go out there and remind them that if they play the way that they played since January they can beat any team in the league. I know that you know that. But the problem is they just don't all the time. No team is perfect, right? But Udoka if they he refocuses this team in ways that Brad Stevens couldn't. Brad Stevens was a very good tactical coach, but he was just not a great coach in the sense of firing them up and making adjustments after a big run from the other team. Udoka, that that's, I would say, what Uduka, Uduka's, Udoka's strength is. Excuse me. If Stevens is a better tactical coach, Udoka is definitely a better leader of men. And Stevens 
after moving up to the front office, has done a great job. Um, trades for Derek White, Al Horford. We'll talk about that a little bit more, especially if they win the title. Um, as looking like big trades that can get the Celtics banner number 18. But what Udoka has been able to do on the bench in his first year is very, very important. He's helped the revolution of Jason Tatum, and not just a pure scorer, but also ball handler. And I would not be shocked to see Jalen Brown take the next step, where I would argue that the weakest part of Jalen's game right now is probably the ball handling. And sometimes he tends to over-penetrate, keeps his head down, doesn't look up. I would not be surprised to see Jalen Brown take another great leap, not on the scoring end of things, but playmaking as well. Yeah, absolutely, Perry. I mean, Jalen Brown is definitely playing at a high level, and his offensive progression has been huge. He's averaging just under 23 points per game in these playoffs, seven rebounds, three and a half assists, um, and a steal. So Jalen Brown, he's just been a really solid player playing heavy minutes at around 38 a game and is the perfect, um, like, like Robin to Tatum's Batman, if you could, like, if you will. Um, he has done a, a phenomenal job for this Celtics team. Um, and, I, I mean, he his shooting has improved. He is shooting, like, the ball at a high level, hitting the three much better than he has, hitting his free throws much better than he has. So that is definitely a big piece. Um, I also want to talk about Al Horford, Perry. Al Horford is 35 years old. Last year, he barely played for OKC, and they even had like a mutual agreement where uh, Horford wouldn't play until like they until the offseason when there would be a trade, all that stuff. So one could argue that Al Horford's career could just about end at that point. I think he was 34 years there. Um, he's, he has his family. He's had a great career. He's out of his prime he was an all-star but he isn't any longer he comes to boston Perry, and he's averaging 12 points and nine rebounds in these playoffs to go along with three and a half assists one and a half blocks and one steal per contest in the nba playoffs he's also averaging 36 minutes per game that is more than marcus smart our starting point guard so al horford has been an absolutely huge factor playmaking he's shot the ball well He's come up huge in a couple of games. Um, for example, I mean, obviously, game one when he dropped, what was it, 26 Perry, um, including that huge fourth quarter run that he went on and back to back threes, baseline jumper. And next thing you know, the Celtics erased a big Golden State lead and ended up winning game one in, San, in, uh, in Golden State. So he has been absolutely huge for the Celtics team. And that's just, he's another leader out there. And what I love about the Celtics team is that like smart doesn't want to be the only leader. So he's like, so if Al ends up coming and he starts trying to voice his opinion, smart's fine with it. Right. Same with thing with Jason Tatum. Tatum's our best player. I wouldn't say he's our best leader though. Cause you also have Al Horvath and Marcus smart. Same thing with Jalen Brown emerging as a player. So all these guys have really, I feel like tensions were kind of high in the middle of the season. But then it just kind of like a switch was flips. And next thing you know, they've just been one cohesive group and have been playing really solid basketball. And that came with the addition of Al Horford. So that was a huge move by the front office led by Brad Stevens. And I mean, that move could potentially be a title winning move. Yeah, James, absolutely. Um, he's kind of found the fountain of youth over here back in Boston. Um, so let's go back to this series and... Let's just see what happens, right? The Celtics are up 2-1. They've got one more game back in Boston. Then they've got to go back to San Francisco for 
um, a series that could be two two, a series that could be three one, and I think that I think this series is gonna go six games. Um, it could go seven, but it's going to go at least six games right now. I think the Warriors will win one of these two games, especially if the Celtics win Friday night. The Warriors aren't going to lose in five games at home in their brand new stadium, not brand new, but relatively new stadium at Chase Center. They're not going to lose in five games and have the Larry O'Brien trophy handed on their court. I think they've got too much pride to do that. However, if the Celtics lose Friday night, I could see the Celtics going into Chase Center and winning that game in the 2-2 series. Uh, game five because right now the Celtics are seven and zero after a loss. It just seems like they've always known how to respond, and that's a big piece of why we talked about Ime Udoka, these leaders, Smart, Horford, Brown, um, Tatum, Grant Williams, even who I thought played a great game yesterday. Um, Ten points, four of seven field goals, but he had three offensive boards as well, keeping possessions alive. But at the end of the day, here the Celtics knew learn they've learned how to respond after a loss can they learn how to respond after when we haven't really seen it in the playoffs outside of that net series if you remember right that buck series they lost game one one game two lost game three one game four lost game five and then one game six and seven and then the heat series they lost game one one game two lost game three one game four one game five lost game six and one game seven so they're kind of They've won two in a row, but they've only done it twice outside that net series, which it was a sweep. I mean, if the Celtics can refocus after what was a big win last night, especially th- that garden, I'm sure, was very, very loud. Um, We've already heard Draymond Green and Klay Thompson complain about the fans and their um, chants and the words in their chants, but that garden was very, very loud last night, and it will be very, very loud again in game four, I'm sure it was a. I'm sure it was much much louder than Chase Center, um, but if the Celtics can use that energy from the crowd, win this game, then they've got two days off before the next game. They won't win in five if they win game four, but they'll they're not going to lose the series up three one. I just don't think the Warriors have enough right now to come back from a three one deficit. That's absolutely right, Perry. And um, if the Celtics are going to do that. There are a couple pieces to their game that they're going to have to focus on, one of which is limiting the turnovers. Uh, turnovers have been a big issue for the Boston Celtics. It seems like um, in a couple of these third quarters, it's almost like the Celtics are helping out Golden State. Uh, same case in Miami. I feel like there are a couple of times where they were forcing bad passes, and then next thing you know, um, you know, this was an example in the Miami Heat series where they had back-to-back turnovers on back-to-back possessions, and Jimmy Butler threw down back-to-back fast-break dunks. So, like, we've got to limit the turnovers, and they did a really good job of that last night in Game 3. They only had 12 turnovers. That's um, good for just three turnovers per quarter. So, I mean, if I'm Ime Adoka, I'm taking that as a coach, and I'm saying, job well done tonight. Um, let's look to continue it in Game 4. Another piece, Perry, is the rebounding. Um, on paper, the Celtics should out-rebound Golden State quite a bit. They're much more athletic. They have more size because Golden State tends to have a small ball lineup. They have Steph Clay. Uh, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Gary Payton. A lot of their guys are guard guard players. The only bigs you have on that team are Draymond Green and Kevon Looney. If, if you want to make a case for Otto Porter Jr. being one, I mean, you can do that too. But uh, the Celtics, on the other hand, have Al Horford, Robert Williams, uh, Grant Williams. You have um, 
I mean, Daniel Tice, he's had limited minutes, but he can rebound the ball too. So um, they've been getting out-rebounded a little bit by the Warriors, which was concerning to me because that definitely should not be the case, giving them second-chance opportunities, allowing to like uh, get back in games and or expand their lead. But the Celtics last night, Perry, they rebounded the ball extremely well, limiting uh, um, extra opportunities. They out-rebounded the Warriors 47-31. to That's a pretty big difference. They had 15 offensive rebounds compared to Golden State's as well. So that's nine more second-chance opportunities compared to Golden State. That's pretty substantial, Perry. So if the Celtics can focus on um, continuing to rebound the ball at the rebound the ball at a high level, which will limit second-chance opportunities for the Warriors and allow the Celtics to go off in transition, push the pace, which they do so well, um, especially Jalen Brown, and also limiting those turnovers, which also they did well in Game 3, only having 12 of them. Yeah, James, I would agree with you. I, I would agree that the turnovers and the points off the turnovers are definitely the most important piece of this series because the Warriors, for all of their... Um, for all the things that they do well, they also commit a decent amount of turnovers. And if you if you commit a turnover, you'd rather have it not be live ball. You'd rather have it be like a pass out of bounds or travel, something like that, rather than a guy where maybe a guy like Andrew Wiggins steals the ball and then gets ahead and he's either kicking it out or dunking himself to a guy like Clay Thompson or Steph Curry. And I think another guy that's going to be a big player for the rest of the series is Clay Thompson, right? He had 25 points last night. I think this was the first game this series where we really have seen vintage Clay. He only shot 5 of 13 from 3, but like some of the threes that he were making, he was coming off screens, off balance, off one leg, and that just seemed to be falling. And this is a guy that we know can get hot whenever he wants. It just If this guy gets hot, this series can turn on its head just like that because Curry's been, I would say, awesome all series long I think he's giving the Warriors everything they've had I think Wiggins has also had a great series he had 18 points last night Kurt uh, Clay didn't play well in the first two games he played well tonight and I think that's one thing where you look at from the Warriors perspective and you say well Clay's Clay finally had his first good game of the series we made our third quarter run, run we just knew execute some things better and we'll win game four and then we'll head back to game five or you look at it from the Celtics perspective where you say, look, Klay Thompson had 25 points. He finally went off like we thought he would all series long. And we still won this game by 16 points. So that's how, that's just the way that both of these teams are going to view it. And, you know, I'm sure there's some in the Warriors organization saying the same thing that the Boston Celtics are saying. And they're probably a little bit concerned either. Another thing that I want to touch on here is Jordan Poole. He has not had a great series. He's getting. He's only played 24 minutes. He has not played a lot of minutes. Um, he's just getting picked on on defense, right? He played 24 minutes last night, 10 points, 4 for 8 from the field. But this guy, for the Warriors to win games, needs to have 15, 17, 19 points, somewhere around there. Because the Warriors just don't have enough, enough offensive health, especially with the way that Draymond Green played last night. And if you're going to leave guys like Poole and Curry in there, especially Curry's playing so well on the offensive end where it doesn't really matter that he's getting picked on the defensive end as much, but you can't leave Jordan Poole in the game if you're Steve Kerr right now because he's getting picked on on the defensive end and he's not doing enough on the offensive end. And the same goes for a guy like Kevon Looney, who only played 17 minutes last night. I thought he was pretty effective, 
But when the Celtics go down new Al Horford and Derek White and Marcus Martin and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on the floor, that five, those five guys, is going to be hard for Looney to find a spot on the floor, just like it's going to be hard for Rob Williams to find a spot on the floor when Draymond Green is the five for the Warriors. Yeah, Perry, speaking of Draymond Green, um, I feel like him his biggest contribution to the series has just been his all the talk that he does on the floor, getting people's heads. He hasn't played particularly well. Last night, he played 35 minutes, and he's had two points, four rebounds, and three assists. That is pretty bad um, from Draymond Green. A poor performance. He fouled out uh, with like four minutes left in the fourth quarter. So he all he really does, all he does is talk. All he does is complain. He tries to get in people's heads. He tries to, um, he tries to be like, you know, yeah, he's you know, on a play in game two. He tries to pull down Jalen Brown's pants uh, on the free throw line. He's trying to like run in before there's the shot taken. He's like, he's like a lineman trying to in football trying to pave a way for Steph or Clay to get a three. So he's just been like a wrecking crew out there, um, just like trying to get in the Celtics' heads, um, amp up the crowd, and he really was ineffective last night. So Perry, what do you think that Draymond Green? is do you think that Draymond is hurting the Warriors or helping the Warriors more right now because he does a lot of talk for scoring only two points um and the Celtics have responded well to him I mean an example of this last night is um Draymond was trying to was getting in Jalen's face Jalen chirps back a little bit next possession he drives right at Jalen and has a nice left hand finish amping up the crowd and he just like he um goes right back at uh Draymond Green rather than like yelling back at him by just playing better than him. So do you think that Draymond is helping or hurting the Warriors more at this point as they fall into a 2-1 series deficit and still have to play another game in TD Garden in Game 4? I think we all know that Draymond Green's primary role is an agitator, right? And he's a facilitator. Um, I don't know. He obviously didn't look great last night. I don't know what his numbers have been in terms of potential assists. If he's ditching out the ball well and the team is just missing them, that's a possibility. Um, I mean, but right now, if you're the Warriors, you got to play Draymond Green as much as you can. You've got to play guys like Curry, who played only 37 minutes. I know that they basically took them out for the last nine minutes of the fourth quarter. But he, Steph Curry should be playing almost every single minute. Um, and that foot injury that he suffered could hurt him as well. But these guys, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, knew play as many minutes as they possibly can because right now the Warriors just are not going to beat the Boston Celtics with this three, these three guys only playing 35 minutes. The Celtics are just too deep. They have too many options. They can go small. They can go big. Where the Warriors just don't have that kind of depth I mean you're looking at a guy like Otto Porter Jr. playing 21 minutes for the Warriors I don't know if you'd even crack the Boston Celtics rotation so just another thing to monitor here as we had in a game four yeah absolutely Perry um that's definitely playing a major factor um so another thing I want to bring up here is the officiating right um in the NBA playoffs they're prone to trying to manipulate series so that they go as long as they can. It's all for monetary value. But they're trying to push the game, uh, the series to seven games. I mean, you had the Celtics series in Milwaukee go seven games. The Celtics series versus the Heat go seven games. Um, so I don't know if that's going to end up being the case here, but it feels like the, offic- the officials really try and push the game as much as they possibly can um, 
trying to make it last as long as they possibly can. And I don't think that it's fair for officials to have such a such a um like so much control over how a series ends up playing out because at times it seems like the officials have more control than the players even do in winning these games. I mean, NBA, like they could be they could go out and they're like, "All right, um you know what? We have to have this series be tied 2-2 heading back to Golden State." So they're going to give they there's a chance they give every call to Golden State in game 4. So like I don't think that that is a fair outlook or fair thing for the NBA to be doing. I want to hear your take on this, Perry. And do you think that the officials um, should have this much power in like manipulating games and even at times have more power than the players themselves who are like really winning the games or losing the games? Um, how much power do they think that they are having in these NBA playoffs? Yeah, look, the officiating has definitely played a massive role. Um, it, it's played a massive role in every series, not just the Celtics series, not just the Warriors series, but like the even the Mavs Jazz series, series is like that where the officials are known to extend the games, right? And that comes from the head, that comes from the NBA. Um, I think that, as you said, I think that the officials will try and favor Golden State in Game Four. I expect them to favor Golden State. I'm sure Ime Udoka is telling his team right now, look they're probably going to try and favor the Warriors. And I think you've come to expect that now. I think that the officials can swing a game, but they can only swing on a handful of plays, right? Bang, bang, charging, blocking fouls, um, potential balls that go out of bounds that the coach just don't want to challenge with the only one challenge in the first quarter. Um, maybe a guy like Jason Tam picks up his second foul with six minutes remaining in the first quarter and needs to sit for a little bit. Stuff like that. But, I mean... For the most part, they're not going to call egregious stuff, right? At the end of the day, the example I keep coming back to was in the Nets series in Game 4 when the when the NBA put Scott Foster on the game, who is known to try and extend series, and that's what the goal was, right? The Celtics-Nets series was a great series, even though it only lasted four games. Game 1 was phenomenal. I believe the Celtics only won those four games by a combined total of 18 points. And I'm sure Scott Foster got instructions to try and extend that series to a fifth game um, back in Boston where they get some more money because Boston fans love basketball, right? Um, but the Celtics, although the Nets did get a lot of calls, the Celtics beat the Nets that day. And that was because the players play better. And although the players have to play both the officiating and the team, the officiating is not going to lose you the game unless it's an egregious situation. Because even if you are in a close game, if you're the Boston Celtics against this Warriors team, they should be beating this team by double digits every single game, especially if they can hold off those third-quarter runs. They shouldn't even be in a position where the officials can swing a game. And right now, if the Celtics continue playing and they continue to stop complaining to the officials, which I thought I didn't hear Jason Tame complaining as much yesterday as he's done in previous games, if they can continue to keep their head down during the games and just play basketball, this Celtics team will win the game bad officiating or good officiating. Yeah, interesting, Perry. I mean, I feel like I could provide a counter-argument where like, one of the only like officials can manipulate a game as long as like one of the teams doesn't shoot absolutely horribly throughout the whole game. Like if the Celtics were to go five of twenty from deep, or if the Warriors were to go five of twenty from deep, 
Like, that's terrible three-point shooting. Regardless of the officiating, the the team who shoots better is going to win that game. But if it's a fairly played game, both teams play well, then officials, it's like up for grabs. Whichever team they favor is able to win that game, and I don't really think that's fair. Whether that be to try and extend the series, or if it's like a 2-2 series, um, trying to give the home crowd a victory. I don't think that that is something that officials should have power over, and I definitely hope that throughout the rest of this series, uh, that is not the case. Um, a part of the officiating that was... Um, I mean, there were some big calls I actually want to talk with you about from Game 3, Perry. Um, we can go through a couple, one of which was the Al Horford flagrant foul, and another situation was um, Steph Curry getting banged up late in the fourth quarter. So we can start with that Steph Curry situation. You first have a loose ball, Al Horford dives for the ball, Marcus Smart dives for the ball, and Steph Curry is in the in that pile trying to fight for the ball. He ends up getting banged up. He's limping. And then a possession or two later, Marcus Smart attacks um, off the dribble against Steph Curry, goes into him and finishes, um, bangs it off the glass, and Steph ends up hobbling with, it looks like he hurt um, his knee or his leg. So do you think that... Um, any of those were dirty plays at all, Perry? Or do you think that that's just the like what comes with playing basketball at such a high level in the NBA Finals, trying to vie for an NBA championship trophy? Yeah, James, um, specifically on the Horford call, right? Um, That's definitely a foul, right? He's in his landing zone, his hand's up. He definitely gets him on the hand. He also is fear in the landing zone. And they've been calling that flagrant all season long. So I can see... I can see both sides of it. I can see where the frustration stems from um, if you're a Celtics fan because that it the flagrant is defined as a hostile act. Was that a hostile act? Probably not. But the way that it looked, yeah, he could have injured him. If Steph Curry twisted his ankle or had to leave the game, then it would have been a big issue. So, I mean, although I personally don't agree with the fact that's a flagrant, they're gonna call that flagrant anytime. Same if Draymond Green lands in Marcus's Marcus Smart's landing space. Um, and as you said there, you said the officiating, especially with flagrant fouls, and I think I think a big piece why we think the officiating matters a lot, which it does, but why it I feel like has kind of taken up a bigger role is because the coaches only get one challenge, especially if they win. I think if coaches get one challenge, they get the challenge back. That way, if they really believe, like the Jalen Brown foul early in the game, right, on Gary Payton, I I can't remember if that was game two or game three, where he didn't even touch him, right? I think it was game two, where he didn't even touch him. And Jalen Brown picked up a foul. I want to say that was a second foul at the time. I'm not sure about that. But that's... A scenario where if you get your challenge back, Ime Udoka is using that challenge. But since he doesn't get back, why is he going to use it with seven minutes left in the first quarter when he might need it with five minutes left in the fourth? So th- I'm, I expect that rule change soon. Um, but right now, the officiating hasn't been off. It, it has not been bad in the finals. I personally don't think it swung any of the games. The games have been good games, but they've the team that's won has won by pretty decent margins here. So um although the offic- the the games get bigger as it goes on and the officiating will be magnified as it goes on. Right now the way that the officials are officiating, I think they've done a fine job and I don't think it should affect the game going forward. Yeah, Perry, um 
I see where you're coming from there, and I just hope that at the end of the day, it's the players that are winning games and not the officials. Um, something else that I want to bring up right now is if, like, who is the most important player in this series? Like, I feel like it's coming from there. Are several different standpoints you can come from. You can say Jason Tatum because he's the best player on the best team. You can say Steph Curry because he's arguably the best player in the series. You can say Jalen Brown because he's shooting the lights out and is playing great defense, being an emotional leader. You can say the same thing for Marcus Smart. You go on the other side of things and say it's Draymond Green getting in the heads of Celtics players and um, just being like a presence in that manner. You could even say Derek White for the Boston Celtics coming off the bench, bringing all that energy, being an incredible defender, shooting the rock extremely. And yeah, I mean, Derek Way has been absolutely phenomenal. He's averaging uh, nine points per game, three and a half rebounds, three assists. He's coming off the bench really early too. I mean, Emi Odoka brought him in three minutes or three and a half minutes into the game three and replaced for Robert Williams. So who do you think, Perry, is the most impactful player in this series? I mean, it doesn't have to be one of the guys I just listed, but um, those are probably the main guys that come to my mind at least. Yeah, I think it's probably Steph Curry. Um, he's definitely the best player in the series. Out coming in, I thought would be, um, a guy like Tatum or a guy like Marcus Smart. Um, but right now, after watching this these first three games, it's gotta be Steph Curry because the Warriors just don't have the pieces that the Celtics do. If Tatum's having an off night like he did in Game One, Jalen Brown is there. Marcus Smart, who's playing well, is there. Derek White, Al Horford, who picked him up in Game One, all these guys. If Steph Curry falters. Um, they're gonna put Jordan Poole in, and he's not having a good series. And they're gonna—he's gonna get picked up on the defensive end. You pray that a guy like Gary Payne starts raining threes on the Celtics. Like that's just not gonna happen. Um, it's gotta be Curry for me. And then a close second is Clay Thompson because right now Curry's been almost automatic, thirty points a night. Right, Curry's gonna get his thirty points, but he needs somebody else to step up. I thought I think Wiggins has done a great job. 15 through 18 points in, I think, every game. But Clay Thompson is the guy that needs to continue being being what is Curry's splash brother because Draymond Green can't score the rock as official as Clay Thompson can. These guys, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, if they get hot, they are unbeatable. And right now, Steph Curry's hot, but Clay Thompson isn't. Yeah, it's definitely been an issue for uh, the Warriors. I. I can see where you're coming from. I think it's Jason Tatum, though, just because while Steph can take over a game shooting, Tatum can take over a game in all aspects of the game. He can do so scoring the ball. Um, if he's having an off night, he can pass the ball. He just showed 13 assists in game one. He can do so on the defensive end. He can do, take over the game in so many different ways. So I think that at the end of the day, the most impactful player is Jason Tatum. Uh, one other question for you real quick, Perry, is that I know that you are not a big Marcus Smart fan. You are you're always talking about how oh he's pulling up from 24 feet with 18 seconds left on the shot clock. What is he doing? I gotta say, Perry, Marcus Smart has been playing some unbelievable basketball in these playoffs. He's averaging 15.4 points, 4.6 rebounds, and six assists. That is really solid. And then that's the offensive standpoint. He's also the defensive player of the year. So. Has Marcus Smart's performance in this year's playoffs helping the Celtics to a 2-1 series lead 
in the NBA Finals. Has that like changed or altered your opinion of Marcus Smart at all? Because he is the leader of this Boston Celtics team, if you like it or not. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? No, look, it hasn't. I mean, when I... Coming in the postseason, coming in when we've talked about the Celtics in the past, even six months ago, right? I said Marcus Smart is a good point guard when he defends well, which he does day in, day out. He's a good facilitator, which he's been his entire career. But if he can limit the shot attempts from deep with 18 seconds left on the shot clock. And this year he's done that. Um, and, you know, when if he takes... if. Jason Tatum kicks it out to him, and he takes a corner three with ten seconds left, and he misses. I can't. I'm not gonna be mad at that. But if he's coming down the floor, and there's, you know, it's eight minutes into the game, right? You got, let's say, twenty seconds on the shot clock. He takes a dribble, calls for a pick, and just shoots it. Like that. That Marcus Smart cannot be doing, and he hasn't been doing that. So it hasn't changed my outlook on him. Yet, if he comes into next season, no matter if they win or lose this, and he continues to resist the urge, then I think I think Udoka has definitely influenced him. But I think that maybe he's personally changed rather than having Udoka kind of have to coach him through it, and he's weeded out the bad habits here. Yeah, Perry, Marcus Smart has definitely been doing um, everything that the Celtics and Ime Udoka could be asking for. Um one other thing too is that um, the Celtics, like which starting lineup would you say has been playing better or has the bigger impact on the series? Because the Celtics definitely have the better bench with Grant Williams, Derek White, uh, Peyton Pritchard, among the others, um, compared to you know just Jordan Poole primarily and Gary Payton over for Golden State. So which starting lineup do you think has been playing better so far and will end up being able to? like determine who wins this series because um, they both play heavy minutes. I mean, Tatum's averaging over 40 minutes per game. Uh, Jalen, Smart, they're both average. And Al Horford are each averaging right around 30 or all over 35 minutes per game. So which starting lineup do you think has the bigger impact or has been playing better so far? Yeah, James, I would say it's the Celtics, right? Um, They're up 2-1. The Warriors starting lineup just hasn't done well. Part of that's due Clay Thompson. Part of that's due to... Draymond Green, those two guys, um, you continue doing doing their job. And Andrew Wiggins has a great series. Steph Curry has had a great series. Kevon Looney, I think, has had a pretty good series. Um, but the problem with Kevon Looney is you just can't play him like you can play a guy like Al Horford. He just doesn't possess that same mobility, and he's more of a rim blocker, um, rim-to-rim running big who rebounds the ball. And there I mean, not do it's not all Looney's fault, but there's just not a ton of spots for that in the game today. But anyway, guys, that will do it for us today, guys. Thank you for listening. I look forward to um, talking about game four, um, probably game five too, um, and then maybe the series will be over. Who knows? Maybe the Celtics will win in five. Um, I sure hope so. But anyway, guys, um, visit our website from ballparks to buzzerbeers.com. Our emails there, our Instagram is there, our Twitter is there. If you guys need anything, um, maybe email us are your thoughts about the series so far, your thoughts about game four, any of that stuff. But thank you guys for listening. As always, have a good one. I'm Perry Mortino signing out alongside my host, James Farley, with the From Ballparks to Buzzerbeers Sportscast. Have a good one and go Celtics.